everybody, TLC here, back again for another episode. Sorry about the long wait, but um, we are back this week for another episode. And today's episode is going to be a review of the movie Nefarious, based on the book A Nefarious Plot by Steve Dace. The movie is also by uh, Steve Dace, but I mean, he was the producer. There were other people in on the movie also, obviously. But before we get into that, we're going to have our little meme segment real quick. Today's meme is not really political at all. It's just a cat. You know, the meme with the cat and it has like the evil eyes. It says, I'm commit nefarious deed. <laughs> I thought it was fitting for the occasion. But, um, yeah, so that was the meme segment. Today's was really quick. We kind of blew through it. And now time to get into the nice juicy part of this, which is the actual movie, because this thing is crazy. Like, there is a lot to get into, so buckle up, people. Also, obviously, spoilers ahead for the movie. Like, big, huge, humongous spoilers. Like, the entire plot spoilers. So if you haven't watched the movie, do not watch this yet. Watch the movie. Go watch it now. Then come back and watch this, or listen to this episode. Do not listen to this if you have not watched the movie yet, because the movie is really, really good, and you should watch it. So first thing, uh, first things first, the rating of the movie, it, I mean, obviously this isn't a spoiler, but it's rated R, and it's like the stupidest, stupidest R rating I've ever seen on anything, ever, like any movie, ever, this is the stupidest R rating. Like, when we went to see the R-rated movie, this is the first time I've seen an R-rated movie in theaters, and like the previews before this movie were so, like, demonic and disgusting and horrifying and disturbing that, like, I literally could not watch some of them. Like, I just couldn't. I had to look away. Some of that stuff was, like, seriously messed up and very demented. And then there was this movie, which was nothing like that. Like, I mean, for for example, the trailers, there were some, like, like, demonic, evil, disturbing, really disturbing stuff about, like, you know, cults and like i mean i know when you say that it's like oh no a cult people saying weird words in cloaks nah but it was like like super freaky as heck like demon people and like all that stuff and it was super messed up it was a preview for some movie and then there was like another preview about like monsters or something under the bed that one was like so bad i mean again i'm making them sound like really dumb but they were kind of disturbing then there was one preview for like a radar movie it wasn't horror but it was like like, just really vulgar. <laughs> but Nefarious isn't like any of those at all. Like, there isn't even a curse word in the movie. There was not a single curse word in the movie as far as I saw. Like, I mean, I watched the entire movie, but, like, I don't remember hearing a single curse word. I'm There were literally zero. Like, not even, not even the S word. Nothing. Literally nothing. Like, the worst thing was, like, what the hell? Which is something that, like, second graders say. Most second graders drop the F-bomb these days. Like, what the heck? The movie has zero cursing in it. It also has zero gore shown. It has mentions of violent things. Like, the scariest part of the movie is, like, the idea of, like, the demon being there. But, I mean, there is the one scariest part of the movie, for me at least. But we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, uh, yes, the point being, the R rating was super stupid, and I really think it was purposeful. Like, I've thought this for things before, like, they give it a higher rating on purpose. Like, um, for, like, a Persona 5, for example. That's like a game. 
But, like, this one is just so blatant. Like, there is no way that they actually watched this and were like, yeah, this movie's kind of rated R. I don't think kids younger than 17 or 15 like, should be watching this movie. Like, what? There is literally no way. They did that 100% on purpose because they did not want Christians seeing this movie. And I'm sure a lot of Christian people were like, oh, it's rated R. Let's not watch it. And solely for that reason, even though the movie is so fine, literally my little sister could have watched it. Like, my little 12-year-old sister could have watched this movie and been perfectly fine. This movie is less scary than some PG-13 movies I have seen. This movie is less scary than, like, Animal Farm. Like, seriously. But... Point being, the R rating is really, really stupid, and it would not be surprising to me if there was something a little bit under the table going on with those ratings, like the rating of the movie. Something was definitely very off about that. Anyway, on to the actual movie. So, the movie starts off pretty strong. I mean, uh, so, like, the first scene of the movie is this guy, Dr... Uh, oh my gosh, I've got the names. Basically, there is a sci- this psychiatrist guy, and he's in his office, and he and like basically he adjusts like you know they have like the like the portrait that's like their name, it's their degree when they like frame the degree. So he like is adjusting it, and it keeps like shifting itself sideways, and then basically you just see him like kind of like walk out, walk to the elevator. And he looks like has this weird look on his face. Then it shifts back to the room. You see him like falling through the window. He just jumped off the building and like committed suicide. He was like, damn, okay. And then the painting slowly shifts, not just painting, but the frame with his degree in it just slowly shifts back to normal. So it's um, upright. It's like not crooked anymore. And you're just like, oh, damn. And so that just starts off the movie really, really strong. And then it cuts to like the main plot where you see. The actual psychiatrist that the movie is focusing around, who was that guy's, who was the guy who committed suicide, the student, is now kind of just going into the thing to interrogate a serial killer. He's going into the prison. He hasn't even gone into the prison, yada, yada, yada. And then when he gets into the prison and he starts talking with the guy, it turns out that the guy thinks he's a demon. Or we think he thinks he's a demon, but actually he is a demon. Or he's possessed by a demon. And this is when we start to get into the thing where people are like, Oh, well, we shouldn't shouldn't really be watching that. That's not very Christian. But I've never understood that. Because there are Christian people who say that demons don't exist. But that's not biblically accurate. Like, demons exist. They are a thing that exists. And even though a lot of the things that people claim were caused by demons, like seizures are not actually caused by demons. They are caused by some kind of illness or disease of the body. But that doesn't mean that demons don't exist. Demons exist. Jesus spoke with Satan. And Satan has his angels who are the demons. Like, no, but nobody wants to talk about demonic possession or the existence of demons, usually because those things end up falling down like a cultish road or a road where you get some kind of uh, piece of media like those really horrific things we were watching in the previews about, like, you know, d- d- people being possessed by demons to go, like, eat the flesh of humans and, like, people, you know, summoning demons in summoning circles and pentagrams and all this crap. 
And this is this is, and then this is where the Christians kind of just go away from it. But I don't think we should be saying that demons don't exist at all because that is wrong. It's silly to think that demons don't exist, even though it isn't a thing that is popularly talked about, which I think is wrong to an extent. I mean, I don't think people should be talking about demons like all the time. It's not good to be thinking about, but I think people should accept the existence of demons like it shouldn't be a common christian thing to say that oh demons don't really exist and this is like true across all christian denominations including catholics and i'm not really sure about orthodox but a lot of people usually in america mostly i feel say that demons don't exist even if they're christian and we see this in the movie too because uh the psychiatrist calls in a what is the thing called like when the priest on the in the prison are called a uh, chaplain. Chaplain is the word, and he goes to the prison. He goes to the serial killer guy, and he's like, "Oh, demons don't really exist. It's just a thing in your head." And I'm like, "Oh, perfect. He's even a Christian, and he doesn't think that demons exist." And that's what happens when you get the like progressive Christianity or the Christianity light, as I like to call it. I sold that from the Babylon Bee. Basically, the idea of you know, Christianity, but we kind of don't really focus on the anything bad and just like, oh yeah, live your life and love people. And that's it. Because it's, which is a ridiculous way to do Christianity. I'm not saying that everybody who thinks they don't exist is a fake Christian or a horrible Christian. It's possible that you just weren't taught about it well or that, you know, you haven't really looked into it or that you've been, like, scared away from the concept because of, you know, all of the horrific demonic things that exist in the world. And honestly, not associating yourself with demons is better than over-associating yourself with them by far. But I think Christians should have, like, the idea that demons exist. Like, that should be a thing that people have somewhere in their heads so that when we are encountered with demonic things, we can explain them through the um, knowledge that demons exist and are attempting to bring down human society because they don't like us. Anyway, as the um, conversation between the psychiatrist and the serial killer, who is actually a demon, goes on, we re- the the demon tells him that he's going to that the psychiatrist will commit three murders before he leaves this place and the psychiatrist says that that's impossible and obviously that would not make any sense cuz how would you murder three people he's just going into the jail he's not going to go kill anybody or so he thinks this is one of the most interesting and like intricate plot points of the movie and obviously it's the driving like plot of the movie and it shows it's the point of their conversation. But like the conversation carries on to a lot of different topics like his book and all these things. So this is not like and whenever it seems to start fading off from that point, it just jumps back to it. So the first point obviously being the first murder that the psychiatrist commits is the murder of his mother. And when you hear this, like, oh, he killed his mom. And you're like, well, no, he didn't kill his mom in the sense where he, like, took a gun and shot her. But he euthanized his mother because she was sick and old and dying. And she had a lot of money in her will. And this is something that happens a lot in our society and a lot in societies elsewhere as well. But I think it's mostly, I think the biggest in Canada right now, but still large here with the culture of death and whatnot. Point being, this is not a rare thing that happens, and the reason he, you know, specified this in the movie is important. 
because you know um, this stuff happens and it is it is murder you're you're killing somebody euthanasia is not an act of mercy and nor do we have the right to end somebody else's life because we didn't create that life so we don't have the right to destroy it the second murder was the thing I was waiting to see something about in this movie because the book covered it quite extensively was abortion and uh, he went into it a lot like in the book he did go into abortion a lot and he also went into abortion in the movie a lot as well which I did really like um, the second murder was uh, an abortion as I said before but obviously the abortion of the, his child with his uh, has him sending his girlfriend to get an abortion so he killed his child because you know abortion is murder you don't need to hear me say that again i'm gonna say it again but you don't need to hear me say it again because uh, you know you've heard me say it a lot of times and you either agree or disagree by this point but hopefully you agree because if you disagree i'm gonna keep saying it anyway so that's probably gonna annoy you more if you disagree than if you agree point being he uh does kill his child asan actually according to the movie since uh, demons know things for some reason. You know, the entire thing about angels and demons, multiple through multiple scholarly sources and whatnot, you can discover all kinds of things about them. And basically, uh, since angels and demons are the same, technically, except that demons are angels that, you know, just chose to become chaotic and against God's will and deny it in, in, uh, in preference for their own... Um, and you know, try to destroy humans. Both of them have the same are the same in terms of intellect, where they just kind of like know things. They don't learn or gain knowledge. They just have knowledge because of how their intellects are. It's different from humans. Um, point being, he knew these things, and he, like one of the things that I was very confused about was that the psychiatrist never really seemed to ask how he knew these things until the abortion one. Like, the entire ordeal with his mother and even all of the information about him, he never really bothered to ask how he figured these things out. Which I found weird, because if somebody, like... If I just walked in the room with a stranger, and the stranger just suddenly started out, like, blurting all of these facts about me at me, and this stranger also happened to be a serial killer, I'd just be like, Nope, goodbye, I'm out, see you later, guys. <laughs> nope, not doing this. But uh, I guess he's just braver than I am, or stupider. From the things he did in this movie, I honestly am going to think stupider. An interesting way they actually did it was that the demon counted down the time that, like, to when the actual, like, to when the actual abortion, like, happened. Like, the time to when the child actually died. Which was, um, it was disturbing, but, like, not as horrible as... I thought something like that would be. It was it was definitely disturbing, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, wait, seriously. But it was a little bit like, like the end of it was kind of anticlimactic, of the end of the countdown. Like, it wasn't like a big, like, explosion or anything that happened. Because, like, even at times, he, the demon had, like, manipulated the room around him. Like, he said something, and, like, a light exploded. Or, like, you know, the generators turned on. And it horrified the guy and horrified everybody in the theater. And by the guy, I mean the, um, the psychiatrist, like the character, and everyone in the theater. And by everyone in the theater, I mean me and my mom who went to see the movie because there was nobody else in the theater. Literally no one. Which, honestly, is like 
kind of cool if you want to just be left alone, but also a little sad because it was a really good movie, and I think more people should have gone and seen it. It's still it's still open though. Like you can still go and see it if you want. I'm just saying, but like, really, could some people have gone and seen this movie? It's really good. Anyway, I think they purposely made the end of the countdown of the abortion somewhat anticlimactic. Like, the de- the demon himself was all like, all of hell rejoices. But, like, you know, it I, it wasn't like, like, there wasn't some kind of, like, big musical sting or, you know, it's kind of the crazy thing that happened. Because I think that it's meant to be like that. And, and like, I think there was a metaphorical purpose to that. Like, just how, like, abortion has become so normal nowadays that's, like, not even disturbing to people anymore to have it happen. And I think that's, in a way, more powerful than there being some kind of, like, big, huge boom thing that happens at the end of the countdown. Just because it shows how far we've fallen as a culture and as people. That, like, killing our off our own children doesn't even affect us that badly anymore. After this, the psychiatrist tries to run out to cancel the abortion, but, of course, it has already happened, as the demon said. And while he's out, while the psychiatrist is out of the room, the scariest part happens. Because technically, like, throughout the conversation, as you know if you watched the movie, but you should have watched the movie already, so don't... If you've been... If you already, like... If you've already been listening, then... It, and you haven't watched the movie, then just go now and watch the movie, because I'm about to tell, like, the biggest, biggest thing. So please don't ruin this. Please, if you have not watched the movie yet, watch it before I tell you this part. Okay. You're not watching it? I mean, you've watched it already? You've watched it by the time you're watching this? Good. So, the craziest part actually happens when the psychiatrist is out of the room, because sometimes the demon lets the serial killer named Edward Wayne Brady actually talk, but, I mean, since uh, Edward is possessed, the demon usually just speaks through him and controls his body. So what happens is that um, the one of the wardens, well, the guard, not the warden, comes in and asks what Edward wants as his last meal. And Edward is kind of like crying about this, like having like a, a, like a cheeseburger basically, and he says that, like, the meal means is something important to him. And we don't know exactly what it means, but basically, as the guard is walking out, Nefarious, the demon, takes back over his body and tells him, and, like, and tells the guard, actually, no, I won't, we won't be taking anything. And it's just, like, the most sick, demented thing. Like, this haunted me for, like, multiple days after the film. Like, it's just, why? How can you be so sadistic and evil to deny somebody the smallest thing as a cheeseburger? Like, it's, it's a freaking cheeseburger, man. And you got to deny him that tiny, tiny last thing. The last little bit of indulgence. After you've taken everything from him, he's going to die. He's, he's, his entire reputation is ruined. He's every, his life is ruined. He's about to get killed and he's about to get executed you've been torturing him this entire time and you can't even give him that like the pure unbridled hatred that demons have for humanity is shown in this movie so well and it's not that demons are 
pure evil because there is no such thing as pure evil because everything was created by God and God called all of creation good. Therefore, nothing in creation can be pure evil. By extension, since God is good, everything that comes out of him must have some good in it. Sure, that good can be distorted and messed up, but it has some good in it. What demons have towards humanity is hate. Now, hate exists not from God, but hate is created by beings that have free will who choose to hate. And hate is a strong term because hate is the opposite of love, which means it's the opposite of what God is because God is love. And love is, you know, not just being nice and hugging people and like feeding ponies or whatever. It's love is being willing to do anything to help somebody else and for their well-being. That is what love is. It's doing anything to, you know, help somebody else, help the person that you love, even sacrificing yourself or something like that. Now, hate is the opposite of love, which means that it's doing anything and being willing to do anything to hurt somebody and to, like, destroy their life and make it worse. And that is like a scary thing. It's scary to see just pure unbridled hate because even to like some of the worst people in the world, pure hate is something that is scary to them and something that they would not do. It's something that's so unnatural. Like, I'm sure there are lots of horrible people in the world. I mean, I've met some terrible people, not really in person, like, but like I've debated with some people who are pretty horrible I've seen people who are pretty horrible. I've encountered people who are horrible. Thankfully, I don't stay in contact with anyone who's horrible or evil for any lengthy period of time, more than like five minutes. I have not to do that, but like even the worst people that I've seen or interacted with, I don't think would go to those kinds of lengths to harm somebody. So to be willing to go to those kinds of lengths and so nonchalantly like, the way he says it, just like, oh, no, we won't have anything. Then, like, the, his face and the joy that he feels from harming somebody else, the pure sadism, is just so disturbing. And it shows exactly how much demons hate humans. Like, it, it just shows hatred perfectly. That tiny specific thing. And like my and when I came home, when I came home after watching the movie, my sister was I like overheard me kind of talking about this. She didn't really know what I was talking about, but she heard me mention the cheeseburger thing because I didn't want to spoil the movie for her because I think she's actually going to see it. I mean, she's going to see it eventually, but she may be seeing it soon because the movie is just like that. Not rated R that my 12 year old sister can see it. And she was asking me like, oh, why are you being what, what was so scary about a cheeseburger? And, like, I can't explain it to her to this extent because, I mean, she would have to watch the movie. But that's why I didn't want you to... I want you to watch the movie already before I told you this part. But, yes, um, that... That... The cheeseburger thing. The cheeseburger thing really showed, like, the extent to which demons hate humanity. And would love for us to suffer and, you know, just be utterly destroyed and devastated because that is that that is what they have uh put their lives toward that is what they have chosen to do with their existence 
And that's part of the reason why hate is so bad. And it's like, like hating people is not like being mean to them. Being mean isn't usually good. Sometimes you need to be a little mean to somebody to get through to them. But like, yeah, sometimes like, you know, tough love type thing. But again, tough love is you're mean to somebody, but because you care about them, which is understandable and very acceptable and something that Jesus actually did himself. He's been mean a lot of times. Jesus said mean things to the Pharisees. He even said mean things to his disciples sometimes. Like he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Like Jesus has been mean to people. Being mean is not a sin. Sometimes you need to be a little mean to get the message through to someone. And then, you know, they realize and they're like, oh, shoot, that that's what I was supposed to do. And then you can put it behind you. But the hate is an all-consuming thing where your very being must be poured entirely into destroying this one person. And it is the worst thing that a human being or any living thing can do. The worst thing you can do is to truly hate somebody the way that demons hate humans. And the best thing you can do is the opposite of that, which is to love somebody as God loves us. And again, that does not just mean being nice to them. It means being able to do anything for that person, including being a little mean to them sometimes, if necessary. Though being mean all the time is obviously not acceptable because it's just like being mean just out of spite is not acceptable. But again, we don't need to make this into a morals thing. You guys know that loving does not necessarily mean being nice because being nice can be bad too. But uh, point being that that whole cheeseburger scene was really just really explosively shocking and just so perfectly done. And it's like 10 seconds of it's so short. Okay, it's not 10 seconds, it's like 30 seconds long. But it's, it's so short, yet it's so perfect, and it does it so well. After this, uh, the psychiatrist comes back. He has an argument with the demon because they find this book that the demon wrote and claims that the psychiatrist wrote for him. But And the book is called I, Nefarious. Basically, Nefarious, the demon says that this is a dark gospel that is going to lead people into, you know, a world of uh, this, like, demon utopia and turn the world into this place where everybody has the freedom of expression to do whatever they want and basically turn it into, like, a demon world the same way that the Bible turned the world into a Christian world and moved the world so deeply. He says that his dark gospel will do the same, but in a bad way, where everybody will treat themselves as God, which is the intention of the demons in their quest to remove humans from God. I really like this because even though we don't get to really see the specific contents of the book, what it happens is that this book, later on the psychiatrist takes the book and just kind of says, hey, uh, I'm going to rewrite this stuff. And he takes the same information, but writes in a different way to make it into a warning about what's going to come and the spiritual warfare that is happening in America now and turns it into a book, The Nefarious Plot. Whoa, guys, look, it's the book. It's the book that the movie is based on. Look at <laughs> that was That was funny. But, uh, yeah, that was really cool. And then the part I actually liked the most 
um, probably was the part where he tries to, that sounds bad, I'm not going to say I like when he tried to shoot himself, but the part where he tries to shoot himself and then it doesn't work because he's at right before the trigger is pulled, he says, God help me. And that just like, it's just so perfect. It's just a, again, again, I'm going with this. It's so perfect. But like, it, it is really such a perfect, like, um, image of how humans really are when confronted with things like demons and this pure evil. Like, we have no other option. We just have to beg God for help. And in that moment, if we turn to God in those times of just like utter despair and no other way to, no other way to go, he will save us because that is how God works. God wants us to come to him. And if he, if we have to come to him through this path of horror and strife, then that is how we have to come to him. But God wants us to come to him in the end. So we will go to God and we will be with God if we can stay on the path that God has put us on. And I think it's a beautiful thing to turn to God when you have nowhere else to go because it's just... It shows how dependent in the end we really are on God, no matter how what we want to tell ourselves or think to ourselves. Like in the end, we are still dependent on God. We still need God. And that is not it's not a bad thing to need somebody else. It's definitely not a bad thing to need God because God is the perfect being. God is God. Like he is the God of all things. He is our heavenly father. We should be able to turn to him if we need him, just like we can turn to our normal fathers if we need anything, our earthly fathers. And it's a very beautiful scene, and I do like it very much. And uh, and then, obviously, the, it, it's, it's almost a little funny, but the uh, at the end, when he's walking out of the studio, and he encounters the woman digging through the trash can, and she looks at him, and in, in the nefarious voice, like in the, the thick, dark, like the thick, the deep, the, like the deep man's voice, just responds to him, is like, hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, the guy's name is James. Yeah, hello, James. And then she's like, <laughs> the movie just ends, and you hear his, like, evil, nefarious laughter, and just mind blown that I mean honestly that part I it kind of brings like a bit of despair over it where it's like oh you can never get away from them and but to an extent it's not that you can never get away well actually no you can never get away from demons because there are demons in the world and demons will always try to bring you down but if you have God with you you have a shield against them so it's basically like they're trying to get to you they just can't get to you so they're going to keep trying and trying and trying, but as long as you can stay in God, you'll be strong enough to repel them. And that is, like, how you will live a strong Christian life. A life as a strong Christian man or woman, you have to fight through the demons using God's help. And if you can do that, then you'll have succeeded. Overall, I think Nefarious was one of the best movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, honestly, this movie was amazing. And it just, it's super important for Christians to watch, I think. I mean, I would say it's up there with Passion of the Christ, but, like, that sounds very, like, heretical because Passion of the Christ is, like, a very important retelling of the most important story of our faith. Well, this is, like, a, um, fic this is a fictional tale, but, I mean, it is talking about, like, real things that are occurring and the idea of, like, you know, demons spiritual warfare, but I just think that it's important for, it's really, really important for Christians to watch, and there's not really many movies that I'd say are super important for Christians to watch as Christians. I'd say maybe, like, there are some movies that are important for Christians to watch, like, strong men, Christians to watch, like, leaders, or things like that, but, like, this is a movie for Christians to watch as Christians, like, just 
you should really watch this because it has to do with a lot of the things that are going on and all the hatred toward Christians. And this, what was going on now is not just like a normal thing. This is spiritual warfare, people. Like, this is not, nobody can tell me this is just a normal thing going on. There are literally demonic forces that are controlling a lot of the things going on in this country right now and in the world in general. We are in spiritual warfare, and I think it is important to watch movies like this because they are able to tell us things about what we are fighting without going into, you know, the deep, very messed up things about it and without leading people down a path of, like, occult practices that are going to get them sent down into the fiery pit. Instead, it's just going to, you know, help us do better in our fight against demonic forces that are having a lot of fun controlling the world right now. But as long as we stay strong as Christians, it doesn't matter how demonic the world gets, we are still going to be, you know, as long as we can keep our faith and keep our convictions, then we won't be harmed because not that we like nothing bad will ever happen to us, but there is nothing that will happen to us that we can't overcome as long as we do it with God. Because as it says in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to uh, my rant about the Nefarious movie. I will be back next week with another episode. And also, happy birthday to me, because this episode comes out on my birthday. Today is my birthday. I'm now 17 years old, which means another year has gone by and I am getting I am a year closer to no longer being able to be called a teenage Latino conservative which is oh boy that's gonna be it that's gonna be a branding issue uh anyway we'll cross the bridge when we get there see you guys next week adios god bless